The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and welcome to the Business Elevation Show again on Voice America. And uh, thank you to those who listened to the show last week, uh, the 250th show. I'm really delighted to reach that milestone. And thank you to Tracy Wright, who's our marketing expert, who um, who had her first interview um, as a host uh, on the show by interviewing me last week. And she did very well. So thank you to Tracy. Well done. So following on from that show, I'm really delighted today to be welcoming you to my guest, Richard Pitt. Um, Richard's going to talk with me about uh, successful business mentoring, or as he refers to it as being a critical friend. And, you know, in reality, few businesses really achieve significant growth unless they have a business mentor or a critical friend. So today we're going to understand some of the key secrets around, um, around business mentoring. And Richard Pitt has an extensive background in the insurance industry, and today he leads the largest network of independent insurers, insurance brokers in the UK, and they're called the Broker Network. And his career has ranged from senior roles with major brands like RBS through to leading a 100-person insurance brokerage, and today he supports a large network of small business owners. And Richard really knows that setting up and running your own small business can be incredibly empowering and, engage- and energizing. However, uh, and I can um, put my hand up to it as well, it also requires a change of mindset, and at times it can be very isolating. Now, on a personal note, I can confirm Richard's a great guy. We worked together on a very successful learning and development project together a number of years ago when he was my main client at an insurance group. Uh, He's also attended a couple of events that I've run, and we've had the privilege to cast a few fishing lines together as well. Um, On one occasion, I put a motorboat on full throttle, having left the anchor in, and we nearly end up in a reservoir. And I'm pleased to say that we laughed a lot afterwards, and he's still talking to me. And I can confirm he's a better fisherman than me as well. Um, Richard is known by many as a really practical and positive critical friend. He's a happily married man. He lives in Worcestershire in England with his wife, Lisa, his youngest son, William, and his dog, Nelson, uh, who was named after Nelson Mandela as he joined the family the same week that Nelson Mandela passed away. So let's talk about uh, about, um, business mentoring, uh, being a critical friend with uh, Richard Pitt. So a big welcome today to Richard Pitt. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much. Absolutely (laughs) buzzing today. I'm really looking forward to the show. And before we start... Just, just a, a word of congratulations. Two hundred and fifty shows. That's fantastic. Well done. Thank you very much. Um, I, I always um, smile. You and I, we tend to be. Um, I think it was today actually, but usually we're both, both fantastic, aren't we? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always I smile. Richard's always when I speak to him, he's always I'm fantastic and I'm fantastic too, which is which I really, really like. So tell us a little bit, Richard, and wh- where were you brought up? Were you brought up in Worcestershire, which is a beautiful county or somewhere else? And yeah, yeah. life life for you as you were you know, developing through your childhood? I spent most of my childhood, uh, Chris, in Herefordshire. Uh, I'm a qualified farm manager, uh, living on a farm with about 350 cattle and 12 horses. My mother uh, used to breed racehorses, and it was just a fantastic way of life. Absolutely brilliant. Um, But she was was, uh, a, a formidable woman. She uh, single-handedly ran the farm um, and and was brilliant at it. She, we used to breed racehorses um, on the flat, and she unusually every single horse that she bred won a group race in the UK, and, and wow. there's no one else in the world that's been able to do it. So she was quite a formidable, successful woman, and and definitely an inspiration for me. Wow, well, I never knew that about you, Richard. <laughs> I, Chris, it, it, she kind of imprinted a whole load of stuff on me, which I didn't really realise until later on in life. Um, being full of dogged determination and tenacity, when I look back on, on what I'm doing now, I can see that in bag loads in terms of what I do. But if you're a, a single lady running a, running a pretty big um, acreage farm with, with not a lot of help, then she was... She was hugely successful in her field and, and recognised across the UK for what she did. And that, that kind of led me to learn loads in, in a very early childhood, I'd say, Chris. Mm, I see that determination in you, Richard. <laughs> That's really one of, your, one of your qualities to keep going and going and going and, and uh, making change and difference. So what, what then, you had this um, fascinating background of being on this farm with all the, the racehorses, why didn't you go into that sort of career and what inspired you instead to go into insurance and, and small business development? Uh, well, <laughs> living, on the farm, living on the farm, Chris, I used to get paid in cows. Um, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't earn any money, but I got, I got paid in cows and I could see my earnings wandering around a field one day and kind of thought, you know what, this is, this is lovely, but actually I need to earn some proper money because I'm not going to get the sort of standard of living that I wanted just by by being paid a cow every month, which which was nice to see, but it wasn't actually a great deal of value for money. So I came out of farming. Um, my brother stayed in farming for a bit longer than I did. I came out of it and thought, Christ, if I'm going to earn some money, I need to get out of farming because there's not lots of money in farming, despite what many people might think. Um, and my, my brother probably... Um, encouraged me uh, to get into what I do because he always said to me, Rich, you know what? You're never going to make a salesperson. And, and he was probably right. In the early days, I tried tried selling uh, fire alarms and burglar alarms and, and I was rubbish at it. But I managed to develop a little bit later on in life and the tenacity um, angle kind of really kicked in. I wrote about 70-odd speculative letters leaving school with a handful of O-levels and I, I had the, the goal to try and apply for a graduate trainee program into, a, in, into an insurance company. I didn't really care where it was and I wrote 76 speculative letters trying to get a job 
and and only six of them came back with a response. Five of which was, "You must be joking! You're an, you've got O levels. What the hell are you doing, applying for a graduate program?" But but one of them was quite a, an entrepreneurial business, and they they turned me down, and I phoned them back within the day that they turned me down. I said, "Look, you, you don't understand my background. Can I come and see you?" And they said, "Yep, yeah, by means, come and see us." So within 48 hours, I was on the train into London to go and see them, and they turned me down again for the job. Um, they actually turned me down five times within two weeks. Wow. But my tenacity just kept me going back for more because I had personal belief that I could make a massive difference. I ended up seeing the ma managing director of the business, and he said, you know what, I've heard your name more in the last two weeks than I've seen my wife. <laughs> you, you, you better come and have a go. And if you're as good as you say you are, I think you're in for a hell of a ride. Well, with five O-levels, I got onto a graduate trainee program and flew through it, qualified within two years through into the insurance sector and ended up kind of in a really entrepreneurial business that taught me loads. It kind of taught me what was good in business. It taught me what was bad in business. And, and the great thing was to be able to take the really positive things and ditch the rubbish and then kind of hone my own career. And that's that's kind of where I got to. And that's how I got into insurance, Chris. Excellent. Fascinating story, Richard. Um, what does your current role then entail um, with this you know, really large uh, organization that you're working with? Because you're working with lots of small brokers as well, aren't you, supporting them? Already, yeah, that's right. So we've got about, uh, about 600 customers um, right across the UK. Um, and they are small to medium-sized businesses. Probably the largest one would employ uh, about 250 people. But the majority are a real true reflection of the UK SME marketplace. I mean, in the UK, 99.5% of businesses employ less than 50 people. So the customers I look after are absolutely um, representative of what you'd see in the wider UK marketplace. And my job, uh, my technical role is called Chief Network Officer, but I'm, I'm ultimately responsible for all of them and trying to help them either to grow their business or to support the running of their business or to help protect them from the regulator. Uh, and we've got a series of regulators in the insurance sector, as you as you may know. So, so effectively, our job is to help them grow and protect and support the running of their business. But of course, every single customer is different, um, and that's what I love because every single day brings a different challenge. And one of the things you, but part of that role clearly that you do is you spend quite a lot of time mentoring them, and uh, is, is that done? collectively in in groups or do you literally spend time one-to-one -one? bit of both chris uh, i mean my customers when i ask my customer well, what what do they think i do <laughs> recently the response was richard you know what your job is i said no go on tell me your job is to make us richer <laughs> if you can do that then then you're doing a good job and, and i'm delighted to say that the people that i'm i'm working really closely with are becoming very wealthy people. So so I'm pleased to be able to make a positive impact for them, Chris. But the way that we do it is is usually in small groups. Um, we try to bring together groups of seven or eight 
like-minded people who are who don't compete with one another so there's no geographical conflict they operate in slightly different business environments but we encourage them to be really open and really honest in the dialogue that they have so we we run sessions usually every three months we bring groups of eight people together and i'm running a program where um the program might last 18 months and i take a group of eight people through six events over 18 months and in that way i can provide input we can talk about what best practice looks like they can take it away the bits that they want to implement they implement them and they come back in in three months time and we sit down and say right what have you done what have you done that you said you were going to do and what have you not done that you said you were going to do and what have you found most difficult and together as a group we talk that through and and that way we hold them really closely accountable for what they said they were going to do and running a small business i found it really isolating you mentioned that earlier on chris when we were mm. talking earlier. running a small business can be really isolating i had a good example where had a small business phone me up and they wanted to just tell me that they'd won this major client and at the end of the conversation i was really interested in what they had to say but i said why did you phone me and they said well we haven't got anybody else to tell and it's got to, you know it's kind of really hit me home that running a small business can be quite isolating you don't know whether you're doing all the right things and actually talking to colleagues talking to friends with in a in a structured process allows people to build best practice in their business and that's what i love doing and in terms of the key qualities then of um you know somebody like yourself who's doing this you mentioned there about holding people to account but you know what what key qualities to really work with groups like this do you think you need well you, you need you need to know you you need to know your subject matter um so so knowing what makes a business tick is really important but most small businesses are quite similar but you've got to listen you've got to listen really intently and you've got to be able to ask great questions uh, i call myself a critical friend because i think i'm i'm trying to be a trusted advisor i want people to trust what we as a group talk about that actually they're getting their best advice and actually they can have confidence to go away and implement it in their business because they know they've got other people in the group that tells them and shows them that it works whatever the the best tips are so you've got to be able to tell the truth you've got to be able to hold people accountable to what they said they were going to do and actually give really honest and candid feedback you have to be really confidential in in, in nature because a lot of the stuff that you talk about can be quite deeply personal but at the end of the day people get stuff done because they want to do it so encouraging people praising people and being supportive is really critical through the process so uh, chris i'd say those were the big qualities that i would i would look to look to do and i think they're slightly different being a critical friend than being a mentor or a coach so what's the difference um well, I think a critical friend it looks to looks to build trust rather than having a rapport. You know, a coach and a mentor typically build rapport. But I think I think what a critical friend does is look to to demonstrate capability and build trust. Um, 
a critical friend will have a very structured approach to what they're looking to to talk about whereas a coach and a mentor the structure can be a little bit more free-flowing and it's often um it, it's often driven by the mentee the mentor and coaching piece whereas a critical friend is saying no no we said we would get together at this time we said we would have this stuff done so so the agenda and the timelines are often set by the critical friend in liaison with the the, the delegate as opposed to a coach or a mentor which is a bit more fluid and flexible i'd also say that a coach and a mentor would focus on on the people uh, and the personal side of a business whereas actually a critical friend will do both they'll focus on the people but also the business and really try to get under the skin of the business to be able to help drive the business forward in the direction that the people running the business owning the business want and a and, and critical friend can help in in instant benefit to a business whereas a coach and a mentor tend to take slightly longer so so you can have short-term and long-term benefit through a critical friend but a critical friend will also provide best practice because they are a trusted advisor so they'll be guiding and giving very practical hints and tips as opposed to coaching and mentoring which which tend to tend to come out from the mentee you're encouraging them to come out from the mentee but all too often if you don't know what you don't know how do you know what good looks like and a, and a critical friend will work with you and and encourage you about sharing best practice and and for the benefit of everyone in the group i, I love that that distinction there because i think that's you know what, what i find myself when working with clients it probably as you define the critical friend is more the way I operate these days, and I remember there was a point having gone through, you know, coaching and uh, and going through sort of processes and learning about coaching and then delivering it. I remember one day somebody saying to me, "Look, just just give me the answer." <laughs> and, it, yeah. uh, and, and actually, I thought about it. I thought, but I thought in my own mind, actually, if I'm following a coaching framework, I shouldn't give you the really be giving you the answer. However. I do actually know more about this subject than you than my delegate does. So why don't I just right. give you the answer? And um, today I find I'm, I work with people who want me. I think as you define as a critical friend, really. Well, uh, there are not many of us out there, Chris. Um, so so I'd be glad to help wherever I can. Ex- ex- well, fantastic. And I think um, we're now going to get a commercial break. And what I'm really keen to do, Richard, I, I just know you've got some immense knowledge about the key components in a, in a business that you look at as a mentor and help people with and um, I'm really looking forward to having that conversation with you after the break to chat through the different areas that you act as a critical friend in a structured way um, because I think they're hugely valuable for anyone looking to grow the business or to be a successful uh, critical friend or even mentor so I'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching 
facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm talking to Richard Pitt, and we're talking about being a, a critical friend, being a business mentor. We're talking a bit about the, the sort of differences. And you know, Richard was articulating how he runs and supports many small businesses. Uh, and Richard, do you want to share with us um, maybe the, some of the key areas that are important for SMEs when it comes to growth that you'll maybe take them through in a structured way? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Chris. Um, I think the first the first thing I'd look at is planning. Um, you know, most businesses I see don't actually have a plan, which which would worry me. You know, I can understand why a lot of businesses don't have a plan, but if you haven't got a plan, how do you know where you're going, and how do you know when you're going to get there, or how you're going to get there? You know, what are the steps in the journey to get to your destination? So, I I think. Planning is really important. It sets the intentions. It sets the tone. But what I would say is make sure that your plan is short and keep it flexible. It doesn't mean that you can't chop and change, but it should sense the direction in which you're heading. And your plan should include some financials. If you haven't got your financials, which I'll talk about in a bit, then how do you know what good looks like, what success looks like? So, So I think the first one, Chris, is is a bit about planning and, and making sure that you've got a, a real clear sense of direction and where you're going. Okay, sure, sure. And just um, asking you a question about that. What what should people really include in that plan? Um, is, is it when you say um, is it sort of the key the key elements really the main things? What are what are the main things you should put in it? Um, I think knowing exactly who you want your customer to be. You know, what, does your, what is your ideal customer? What's the sense of direction and what does your business stand for? Yeah, and I think that there's, there's a real clear articulation that says, this is what we stand for, this is what we do, this is how we do it, and this is why we're different. And just keep it really high level because you can use that plan for a whole load of stakeholders, whether it's 
when you're recruiting people, you can clearly articulate what your business is about and where it's going. Or if it's for investors, that the, the, the bank wants to know where you're going and where, how you're going to get there. Um, it might be for, I don't know, um, customers. They want to know exactly where your business is going and that you're going to be about in five or ten years' time. So, so I think you use your plan for a variety of different purposes, but keep it pretty high level. And in terms of keeping it high level, I mean, I, I see I've seen people with plans that uh, look like uh, small encyclopedias uh, through <laughs> to people with a plan that's maybe one or two pages. And I wonder what is the what is the ideal from your perspective? Uh, I'd keep it really light, Chris. I, I think if you if you get beyond two or three pages and you've probably lost the plot. Um, but I, I would keep it really about what are you who do you want your what do you want your business to stand for? Who are your ideal customers? Where are you taking your business and over what time? And, and back that up with some financials, that this is the plan of where we're going to be that will reach our destination in a set period of time. And that doesn't need to sit in stone, but it does give you a sense of where you're going and how you're going to get there. And you mentioned there about sort of time horizon. Do you have a view on how long you should plan for? Well, you should definitely plan for the next 12 months. I think three years is good and anything beyond three years is probably the business environment's changing so quick these yeah. days, yeah. as is customer buying habits, that I just don't think you can you can really plan much beyond three years at the moment. Yeah, I'd agree, I'd agree with you there. Uh, I'd agree with you. I, I very much recommend <laughs> three years tops. It's just yeah. so much change. But what you will see, Chris, is you're, you're, if you can sit down with your employees and actually show them what your plan is, that will make them more loyal to you because actually they know you've got a sense of purpose and a direction and what the business is going to be like in three years. And people want to belong to that sort of thing. They want to they believe in a vision, believe in what the business is going to stand for, and then be able to support it. But if you haven't got a plan as an employee... How do you know how you're supposed to act? What you're trying to do? What does what does good look like? Mm. How, how do you? How much should you involve your team in that plan? Well, I think as a business owner, there's lots of business owners I speak to that haven't got a plan. Foot number one, uh, I think you need to, as the business owner, set the tone and the direction of your business. You you have to take the first step. You have to own it yourself. But I think once you've set the ambition for your three years how you get there i would absolutely engage the team because they'll come up with much better ideas than you can but if you know at a high level where you're going by what time and what type of customers you want to really deal with really focus on i bet your team will engage with that plan and come up with some great ideas that you'd never have thought about as to how to make it become a reality brilliant Something I know you've shared with me before that I think is fascinating is you, you know, you say that you should make sure you've got at least one person who's um, working on the business and not in it. Uh, do you want to just yeah. share a bit about that? Because I think that's a really helpful uh, thought, but also requires quite a leap of faith if you just, um, you know, one or two people. So this is in all the business owners that I ever speak to, Chris. If there was just one thing I would take take away from today's discussion would be this this point that each business needs to have just one person that works on the business, not in the business. 
okay? And by, by that, what I mean is you've got one person that's overviewing the business. They're not all the time dealing with clients, dealing with customers, dealing with the staff, dealing with operational matters. This person is the driver in the business. They are looking at the dials. They're looking at the, the key performance indicators or the key metrics of your business. If you have one person doing it, then you will start to measure the things that matter in your business. And stuff that gets measured gets done. And this person is, is just on the business the whole time. They, they are working all, of, all the little uh, nuances, all the little levers, and all the little margins. They're driving value out of every single activity. They're in the marketplace talking to prospective employees they're talking to prospective lead generators they're talking to suppliers they're talking to recruiters they're talking to the banks they're they're promoting their business all the time they're the evangelists almost of their business and in that way they're not getting into what most businesses suffer which is i haven't got enough time because this person doesn't work in the business they're not dealing with customers and I, and I think that is the, it is absolutely unequivocally the most single, the single biggest important factor if you want to grow your business. The smaller your business is, the sooner you make the decision to work on the business, not in it, the quicker your rate of growth will, will be. It, the smaller you are, the quicker you will grow if you can have the discipline to work on the business, not in it. And is that person who does that, are they always the most senior person in the organization or are they? No, not, not at all. Not at all. That, this is the person. If, if you as the owner of the business love dealing with clients, you just that's the thing. You were the entrepreneur that set the business up and you love dealing with customers all the time. If, if that's what you like, that's great. You need to find somebody else that's going to be empowered. You have to be empowered in this role to work on it, not in it, because you're you are looking at the sales pipeline. You are looking at the conversion ratios. You are looking at the margins. Whereas when you're dealing with customers all the time, you can't be doing all of that. And in a small business, if you can, if you can create a portion of your week, a day, a day and a half, where you do no customer work, what you do is you work on it, not in it. As a small business owner, you will, you will make massive leaps forward. So if you love dealing with customers, find somebody else that's going to work on it, not in it. But you have to empower them as the business owner to make the calls, to make the changes that are necessary to drive the business forward. Mm, makes sense. And you sometimes see that with uh, people maybe bringing in an MD or somebody like that to, uh, to, yep. to do some of you maybe do some of that. Um, you know what? Role titles are an interesting thing. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of role titles. I, I prefer to let all the staff in my business choose, choose their own business title mm. because they find that motivating for them. But I, I think you've just got to have the discipline that you're going to take somebody out of your business that's a future thinker, that's thinking six months down the track what your business is going to be doing. But at the same time, they're measuring all of the key metrics in your business in the present in the present day in that way you will you will drive your business dramatically forward wonderful wonderful um 
piece of conversation and thinking there, Richard. Very, very helpful for a lot of people. That um, now let's let's maybe move on to um, things like you know marketing, and I think you call it visibility, which is a bit broader than marketing. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, this is about how do customers find you, and this isn't just marketing. I think I think marketing's definitely got a place. Marketing-led growth has definitely got a place, but it is costly. You know, most people I speak to, they say, "I want to grow. I want to." develop my business. I'm going to do a bit of marketing. And my, my first utterance is, no, 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 stop. Marketing is costly. It will generate business, but it is the most speculative investment you can make. There are much better ways to grow your business than doing marketing. Working on the business, not in it, is, is also one of those. But getting non-marketing-led organic growth is a real critical trick. So, you know, knowing who your customers, your ideal customers are. I've got one customer who's really disciplined in choosing the type of customers that he wants to deal with. He's done his research and he knows exactly who they are. He knows where they are, where they buy their insurance from now and why they buy insurance from that source. And in that way, he's building products and solutions to go and attract that ideal customer group. And he's, he's developing mechanisms to be able to appeal to that customer group that may not be marketing-led. So he's doing lots of research to find out barriers to entry and methods of marketing to get maximum appeal. But what he's doing is he's standing out from the crowd. He understands exactly what the customer's issues are that, he, uh, that are his ideal customers. And he's building propositions USPs, the unique selling points. He's building something that is different in the marketplace to go and win those customers. And that, for me, is about visibility. It's about the brand that you build. What does your brand stand for? Brand is not just about a logo. It's the essence of your business. Why does your business exist? Um, it sets the cult cultures and the values in your business. And great brands don't rely on a specific product. They, they rely on everything that they stand for. You know, people people buy an apple that's got a brand of deliberately differently, dif deliberately different. They don't buy it because it's the phone. They want to be part of this brand that is this, you know, iconic brand that incidentally started 10 years ago. Can you believe that? Just 10 years ago. So I think brand is really important. Getting that right so your customers know what you stand for. There are real good tips on how to create a brand and living the brand and what your brand should stand for. But knowing who your customers are, your ideal customers, is, is critical. Then you've got to work out how do you get after them? How do you get to them? Well, marketing might be the way to go, but actually, again, it's expensive. It's speculative. I think, you know, when you look at the best successes, Chris, in your business, the, the place that you get your, your new clients from, I bet it's not from marketing. No, no, it's it's not. And uh, I'm just thinking of, uh, you know, a recent new new client. It was a referral, and you know, incredibly, it was a conversation on a Thursday. Um, immediately when the referral came in on the Friday, we were putting a proposal in. By Monday morning, it was agreed. And you know what? That's so common. Referrals and recommendations. There are about fifteen to twenty top tips that you can do with referrals and recommendations. How do you generate them? And you know what, as a small business owner, most of your customers that you deal with are in exactly the same position as you. They want to grow. 
and they're willing if you ask in the right way to give you referrals and recommendations but there are best ways a bit like brand a bit about a bit like working on the business not in the business there are some fantastic top tips that you can implement in your business that cost you nothing but you know what make dramatic differences to the to the future of your business so referrals recommendations introductions associations being thought a thought leader in a subject matter using your suppliers thinking about win back campaigns thinking about a thing called share of wallet no most customers don't think about share of wallet you know how much of a customer's spend do you actually win you know in your business chris you you supply some fantastic insight and guidance to individuals and businesses but across the whole portfolio of what they spend on development if you know what the share of wallet is you can actually invest in certain things again top tips to be able to dramatically increase that share of wallet so you know marketing has a place multi-channel marketing has a place but you know what it is about asking great questions of great people so that's what i call visibility i suppose chris yeah well again some tremendous um ideas and, and thoughts in there richard really helpful content for people and you're absolutely right it's often those opportunities come from people who already know you have already experienced you uh, can endorse you and uh, and that helps you from, to stand out from the crowd and i think something I, I learned recently with the example that i just shared with you there as well was if i hadn't got i've got onto that opportunity immediately because the the um client was talking to other people as well um i, I spoke to them within 30 minutes of it coming in i actually wouldn't have got it so yeah. that speed was um really helpful as well but you know i completely stood out because i had the recommendation of somebody that they really loved you know what chris there are there are so many best practices that i would love to be able to help people with that 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 i do help my my existing customers with but being an sme and you know you can get quite isolated these top tips again we'll, we'll give some details out later on but if people want to talk further about it i'd love to help them it, it sits really close to my heart in trying to help people Wonderful. Um, well, uh, we're going to go to commercial break now, but after the break, I want to get into sales, Richard. Uh, that would be really great. Talk about sales, then maybe we can have a chat about you know, how you approach people as yep. well. Um, so let's, let's do that um, after the commercial break. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm talking with Richard Pitt, and we've been talking about um, some of the keys uh, for SMEs to grow and, and how Richard uses this within his um, frameworks as a, a critical friend. And we talked about plan. We talked about working on the business, not in it. We've been talking about visibility. Richard, share your thinking around sales, because without sales, you actually haven't got a business. Uh, you're right, Chris. I mean, so some people see sales as a dirty word, but my view is that you know sales are critical. If you haven't got sales, you you really haven't got a business. Um, whether you're selling yourself or a product, unless you can get that message across, you you really haven't got a business. And I think it's important to have real clear line of sight of who has responsibility in a business for sales, because all too often when you ask that question, people look at each other and. Is it you or is it you? And, and they kind of, people agree it's both of us. But actually, you need to have real clear ownership of who owns sales. Who is responsible for driving the business forward? And, and you know what? There are some brilliant tips on how to manage pipelines and, and develop pipelines, how to create pipelines and how pipe, sales pipelines are not pipe dreams. You know, most of the people I see, they walk into a sales meeting, they talk about this customer and that customer. And actually, they're just pipe dreams. They're, they're names on a list. They're not actually genuine opportunities. And then there is a real clear, structured way of, of building a pipeline, creating a pipeline, and then developing it and turning it into business. Unfortunately, we haven't got time to go through that today. But I think in terms of sales, it's, it's making sure you're asking the critical questions, getting them delivered in exactly the right pace, tone, intonation. Um, you know, finding out why customers are talking to you. Why are they choosing you? Why do they want to talk to you? It's nice having a chat, but why are they talking to you? And asking great questions once you've won a client will educate you in terms of the marketing and the brand that you stand for. You know, why Why did you pick me? I, I often phone customers after we've won a bit of new business and say, well, tell me, what was it that really appealed to you about our business? And, and often it's the people. You know, it's the people that mm-hmm. go out and it's the people that they engage with and, and they build trust. They're a trusted advisor. And if you can build trust, then actually sales becomes a lot easier. So yeah. understanding why you win business, but also why you don't win business. Be confident to go and ask customers. Why, you know, we had that great engagement. What was it genuinely that just tell me honestly, what was it that led you not to choose us? And that will educate you as well. So. Yeah. Great questions, I think, is, is the best thing. Excellent. Well, some great tips again there on sales. And you know, again, we, we could have you back again, Richard, I'm sure, just to talk about sales. But how about 
you know, one of the key issues for a business is often, you know, recruiting, retaining, developing uh, staff and people. Um, what are your thoughts around that? How do you help organisations through your support to um, to get you know those aspects around people right? Sure, um, you know, great businesses employ great people. You cannot be a great business unless you've got great people. And working on the business, not in the business, sets the culture of your business, the values of the business, the behaviors of your business. And I think unless you've got those nailed on, it's difficult to drive your business forward. You've got to have targets. You've got to have objectives. You've got to have clear roles and responsibilities. But all too often, Chris, I find people doing work at the wrong level in a business. I always say to people, you should only do the work that nobody else can do. So if this was the second key to take away, ask yourself, are you doing the work that nobody else could do? If, you, if you're not, then you should delegate it to the lowest capable person in your business. And that will free up so much time in your business, it's untrue. But what you'll also do is you'll start to recruit at the right level. Very often in businesses, I see people saying, yeah, I need to recruit a senior this or a senior that. And actually, you know what? That's not true. They need to recruit at the right level and develop people through the business, promoting from within. You will get much greater loyalty from your staff by doing it that way. But delegate work to the lowest capable person. And don't be afraid to weed the garden of the people. You know, I, I, I've got loads of tips and, matri- uh, and, and models that I can do in terms of, you know, showing uh, uh, where people are within a business. And, and I think one of the key things is about looking at people's commitment and, and their performance. Quite often I see people who are high, high performers but low commitment in a business. You'd notice them. They kind of keep fairly quiet. They just do the day job. But when you're not there, they're sniping behind your back. They're, they're, they're making negative comments about the business. These are the ones who will kill your business if you don't take care of them. And I think what I would encourage everyone to do is to have honest conversations and reframe it from, from a difficult conversation to an honest conversation. And just in, you know, have an operational rhythm in your business that says, I'm going to sit down with everyone in my business. At least I do it every week with my team. I give them half an hour that with all my direct reports where they can bring anything to the table, good, bad, or indifferent. And what that does is it allows us to have an honest conversation on a very regular basis. So if I see things that, I, that I'm not comfortable with, I can deal with it in the moment. So I think there's some top tips about people, motivating people. There's, there's things about delegating to the right capability, recruiting at the right level, you know, recognizing stars within your business and promoting from within. But there's, there's absolutely stacks, Chris, within people management, recruitment and performance management that we could talk about. But, but we'll run out of time. <laughs> so in, in, terms of, um, in terms of recruitment, and, and role profiles and all that, that kind of thing. Who, you know, who should recruit who? I mean, what? Um... Ah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is you're getting into my 150 keys now. So, <laughs> what what you do find is uh, uh, A's, uh, A performers will probably recruit A's and B's. Um, however, if you've got a B performer in your business and you lead them to do recruitment, 
I can almost guarantee you they'll recruit C's and D's. Uh-huh. And it's, it's really important to get recruitment at the right level. However, Chris, you remember that thing about working on the business, not in it? Yeah? If yeah. you're working on the business, not in it, you, one of the things you're building is a development pipeline of new people. I'm always, I'm always in the market to find good people. I don't recruit when I have a role. If I find the right person, I will get them into my business because it allows me to work on it, not in it. So I would say to anyone on recruitment, always be in the market for recruitment. And if you're working on the business, you will have a a, a tremendous talent pool that's waiting to join your business because you've got a plan, you know what you're doing, they want to join it. And and how do you... How do you handle things like communication within your to these people? Because um, that's quite important, isn't it? You, you mentioned there that you have a meeting with your team every week. Yeah. Uh, are there certain things that you would recommend to people to really build an engaged workforce? Yeah. So most, you know, this is where most businesses fall down, Chris, is communication. Because if the staff don't know what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it or what's expected of them, how the hell do they do what you want them to do and achieve what you want them to achieve? So communication is just absolutely essential it's a key uh, component of driving a business forward you know you help retain your staff you help performance manage the business you help dro- uh, uh, increase the income of the business by pulling on the levers that you need to do and what you're also doing if you remember that thing i said earlier about it, if you don't measure it it doesn't happen if you're communicating and feeding back with people all the time about how the business is going against your key components that drive your business forward, if you're not doing that, your business is never going to achieve what it could possibly achieve. If you are doing it and you have an operational rhythm in your business, this is the heartbeat of your business. If you have that operational rhythm, that heartbeat, that's the kind of culture. And and when people come into your business, they'll slot into it and see it and be able to almost feel it in your business when they start on their first day. The culture and And your operational rhythm is what meetings do you have? How often do you have them? How well are they constructed? What do you get out of them? What does the business get out of those meetings? And and if you've got a great operational rhythm, you'll have a great business. Mm -hmm. It makes a huge amount of sense. So what financials should we be reviewing each month? Well, you've got some critical KPIs in any business. And I think every business is different in terms of those five or six critical KPIs in your business that drive income, drive growth. And and you need to know what they are. If you don't know what they are and you don't know how you're performing in those things, uh, if you don't know your numbers exactly, precisely at any moment in time, then I tell you, you're working in the business, not on it. And... Th- only by knowing your numbers can you drive your business forward. So I think every business has a different set of critical KPIs. But if you know where you're going in your plan, what you want to achieve, you know what the critical KPIs are and you have to performance manage them every day, every week. I've been in a business where I've experienced people saying, I want to report every hour on my desk on where our sales are. And it took him about three weeks for the staff to get it. That yet he does, he's going to keep on asking for that damn report every hour. And you know what? After about three weeks, they got it. And every hour, he got the say, he got the report on what his sales were doing. And his business grew dramatically because what he measured got done. Mm-hmm. I like that. What he measure gets done. Um, anything else that you would uh, recommend that people 
look at? Well, uh, I'd say, Chris, everything starts with you. Everything you do in your business, you as Chris Cooper and and me and my business, everything starts with you. And and you know what? You've got a choice every day as to how you wake up, what whether you're going to wear a smile and it, it, during the day, or or you're going to be a grumpy person during the day. Everything starts with you. And and unless you've got the drive, the ambition, the intention, you will draw. If you haven't got that, you know what your business will meander and achieve whatever it achieves however if you've got a real clear direction then i think you you are going to be in a brilliant space but you everything starts with the clear vision do you set the culture do you set the leadership direction of your business and if you don't you need to because that's what people are looking for they're looking for leadership they're looking for you to communicate they're looking for you to reinforce the values and the behaviors in your business and you know what it takes seven times doesn't it to get that sort of message into your business if you think you're too busy you've got too many things to do which is usually the most common problem in any business you know i haven't got the time to do it i'm sorry i didn't get these actions done because i haven't got the time then i would encourage anyone to use a an hands-off matrix that's an urgent and important matrix yeah the, where urgent is high and low and important is high and low when you do that and you ask people to fill it out with the work that they've got on the, their, their desk, then I would say the stuff that is going to kill your business is the important but not urgent. But I would, I would say to people, focus on getting that urgent and important matrix done. Mm. Mm. Good, good advice there. Richard, we've only got three minutes till we uh, at the end of the interview. Any final messages that you'd like to leave us with? Um, there are there are in business things called glass ceilings, Chris, and and a glass ceiling often limits the business. You know, the business struggles to get growth, and they can't. The business owner can't understand how to get through it. And glass ceilings exist in every single business, but knowing what the glass ceiling is and how to break through it is really easy to 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 do. It usually requires three things: some capital, some people, some resources, and a change in the structure. So if anyone wants to know more about glass ceilings, I'd love to be able to help them. Ultimately, Chris, I think what we've built within my business is 150 keys, 150 ways to help people to grow businesses in the, in the SME sector. And any of those keys can be used in any industry sector. So, you know, think, try and break the, the issue down and think about what can I do today that's going to make a difference. Work on the business, not in it. Richard, that's been extremely valuable for people. And um, I've certainly you know, hugely impressed with what you've shared and the value in all of that. Because I think what you've done is you've broken down the, you know, the key components of a business, the things that we really need to focus on, as well as, as talk about this issue of sort of mentoring and what have you. And I also take from the interview, you, know, you talked about that first job that you got and how tenacious you were with it. And um, I think, you know, with opportunity, often you do need to keep knocking and knocking and knocking, don't you? And keep keep communicating. You, you demonstrated that with what you do. Um, so a yeah, big thank you. Well, Chris, there's an interesting statistic that most people give up after five attempts to get hold of customers. Yeah, it's something like 85% of people give up after five attempts. And most sales are made after six. So be tenacious. Thank you. Thanks so much, Richard. I hope you've enjoyed being on the show today. Really valuable. 
very very grateful um on next week's show we have nick haynes nick is an expert and he has his own organization called the five institutes he's an expert in kindness is one of his things about kindness in and business and in life so we're going to really talk about that next week um to find out a little bit more about um richard's organization do go to www.business um sorry i've broken network .co.uk. That's correct, Richard, isn't it? Broke business, bro, so brokennetwork.co.uk. Yeah, that's right. www.brokennetwork.co.uk. Fantastic. Lovely. Have a wonderful week, everybody. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.